As Pastor Lionel mentioned, today we want to share on the topic of the church at worship. We're starting a new series, and one of the things that I have found out, I've discovered, and I'm sure you have, if you were to take a quick survey of our world today, I'm sure you will find out that we see a culture that is trying to tell us what we should idolize and what we should deem important. It's everywhere around us. What we should buy, what we should wear, what we should eat, what we should like, what we should follow, what streaming service we should subscribe to. Is it Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus? BET plus, all the above. <laughs> In fact, our culture is a culture of followership. And the question is that the culture is asking us is what should we follow? But the Bible challenges that question. For it's not what we should follow, but who we should follow. And over 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of Jesus who made an appeal to us to follow him. And one of the qualifiers of following him was that he was looking for a people, he was looking for a church that would worship him. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 23. And as you're arriving there, here is Jesus giving a bold and declarative statement as it regards worship. And this is what he says. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Jesus, in this one verse, is revealing the secret of worship. It's a secret. Because during his time and day on earth, we had men and women trying to satisfy the laws of worship. Jesus comes in and makes a revelation. That it's not just that we are to worship, but that we are, in fact, worshipers. That means it's part of my DNA. It's part of my identity. I just don't lift my hands. My temple, my body is an act of worship. I am a worshiper. So when I look at scripture, it tells us about this beautiful exchange, this beautiful expression of love to God called worship. So it begs the question, what is worship? Worship is from the Greek word that we know as proskuneo. It means to prostrate oneself, to bow down, to honor, to adore. In fact, it's from the old English word meaning worthship. So when I worship God, I'm saying he's worthy. 
He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my adoration. He's worthy of my best. In fact, the Westminster Confessional puts it this way. The chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Now, I've read John chapter 4, verse 23 many times. And I've been challenged because I was wondering what Jesus meant when he said, in spirit and in truth. And when I explored the scriptures a little bit further, I've recognized this, that to worship God in spirit means when God's spirit ignites my own. There is something that happens when God encounters us and, in fact, our spirit responds to his. But then he said, worship him in truth. And to worship God in truth means we center ourselves on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself called himself the truth. Now, I know we live in a culture right now where folks are saying, yeah, I'm the truth, not truth. Truth. <laughs> but, but God actually said, he self-described as the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that tells me that worship is less about singing songs, and it's more about living the songs that I sing. It, it, it's more than just my outward expressions of praise, but it's about my inner work of surrender. That's why we sing, I surrender all. So when I look at the scripture and I look at John chapter 4 verse 23, and I know that you and I are the church, here's the question. What are the marks of a church at worship? What are those indicators, those qualifiers that tell us we are in an honoring God and pleasing him? Well, when I look at the scripture, the first thing that I see is that what marks a church at worship? It's a church that enjoys his presence. Yeah, enjoys his presence. God welcomes those into his presence that welcome him. God wants to be wanted. He wants to be wanted. There is no feeling like it. When you come into the company of those, and you know this, they know it, that you're celebrated, and you're valued, and you're appreciated. But on the flip side of that coin, there's no other feeling like feeling like you're tolerated and endured. Have you ever been in a company of those that say, well, I guess we just got to tolerate you? And you feel it, you sense it. It's awkward, it's weird, it's strange, it's uncomfortable. And God doesn't want to be tolerated. God doesn't want to be endured. So when we walk into the house of God and we come and we hear the call to worship, God wants us to come before him and say, Lord, I've entered into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. I've come because you've been good. It doesn't mean, by the way, that my whole week has been good. It doesn't mean that I've not been challenged. It doesn't mean I don't have health issues. It doesn't mean that my job is not a mess. It doesn't mean all that. What it means is that, God, I serve you, I worship you because you are good. 
you are good. I don't, I don't worship God because of what he does for me. I worship God for who he is. That's why I worship. So when we look at this, here's the good news. He takes great pleasure when we come to him. He loves it when we come to him, whether it's in need, whether it's in desperation, whether it's for the passion of being in communion with him, whatever the motive, God says, I want you to come to me. Notice this. John chapter 4, verse 23. It says Jesus used the phrase, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What is the spirit doing to us today? What is he prompting us? He wants us to go back to our first love. Our first love. God, I'm coming back to you. That's why we sing songs in this house like hunger. There's a hunger and a thirst. Why? Because I'm so desperate for God's presence that I want him more and more. I remember in my own personal journey, I had to ask myself this question. Do I truly love God? Or do I just love what he can do for me? That's a real question. I had to ask myself this question because I realized something. I was so searching for his things that I wasn't searching for him. And I've recognized that the greatest thing and the greatest gift that God could ever give us, it's not money. It's not a house. It's not a car. It's not a job. It's not a promotion. In fact, all those things are good. We count it as blessings. But the greatest gift that God could ever give us is the gift of his presence. See, when I have him, I have the fullness of joy. When I have him, I have his mercy. When I have him, I experience his love. When I have him, I have favor, unmerited grace. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it, but he imparted it to me. So when I look at the scripture, I'm so reminded that I want to come to God and enjoy his presence. Here's what I've learned. The wonder of worship is this. It's the only thing that we can give God that he doesn't already have. It would be theologically accurate to say, God cannot worship. Why is that? In order to worship, you have to worship something higher than you. And the last time I checked, there's no one greater. There's no one higher. There's no one more powerful than our God. So he doesn't worship anything higher. That's why he's on the hunt. That's why he's searching to and fro the earth. Why? Because he's looking for those that will worship him. Here's my question. Will we worship him and enjoy his presence? See, see, here's what I've learned. One of the things that can hinder our enjoying his presence is unrepentance. Allowing sin to cause us to break fellowship and communion with God. So how do we remedy that issue? Here's what I've learned. As I look to scripture, I say, Lord, I want to make sure that my confessions are current. That I'm right before you, that when I mess up and when I fail and when I falter, that I go back to you and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, 
wash me. I want to be right in the right alignment with you. So when we walk into church on Monday, on Tuesday, at work on Wednesday, at home on Thursday, at the grocery store on Friday, wherever we are, we are to enjoy his presence. That's the mark of a church at worship. You know, I, I tried it when I first came to Christ. I tried it. I tried it. I did. I tried it. I tried to fit Jesus into my schedule. Yeah, yeah. I, I said, you know what, let, let me pencil Jesus in. You, <laughs> you know what I discovered? You can't pencil Jesus in because he can't be erased. So, 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 so here's the deal. I cannot put him in my calendar. He shapes my calendar. He, he shapes my life. He shapes my agenda. God, what do you want? So when we are the church that's activated in worship, we first enjoy his presence. What's another mark of a church at worship? Well, it's a church that engages our person, engages our whole self. When I come into worship, I'm giving God everything, all of me. I don't want to withhold or reserve or keep away from him anything. I give it all to him. In fact, that's what real worship is. It's loving God. When we gather together, that's what it looks like. So here's my question. How are we to respond when we're in a moment, even as we were earlier today in this house when we're in a moment where there's just worship that God is calling us, he's wooing us, how do we respond? Well, I looked at another scripture. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says this, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus, as he prescribed this greatest commandment, he was coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. In fact, in Jewish synagogues today, they use that liturgy. You shall love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what did Jesus specifically mean by loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, what, all your strength? What did he mean? Well, I want to offer you four responses of worship. Because when we come into, whether it's church or in our daily lives, God wants everything. He wants us to engage our whole selves, the essence of who we are. So first, I need to look at the four responses of worship. And that first one is the heart. The heart. The heart is volitional. It really means what we choose. Now, I know when we talk about the heart, uh, oftentimes we're thinking about uh, romance, V-Day, the heart beating, the Hallmark Channel. I'm looking at my wife because we're watching a whole lot of Hallmark right now. The heart of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those movies. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two hours. Anyway, so, <laughs> so the, the heart, the heart, it's what we choose. Typically, we think about romance and love, but in essence, the heart means this. It's what we choose. It's the intention 
of our heart. When I look at scripture in Psalm 119.2, it says this. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. The heart is where the intention resides. So what does that look like? When I humbly give myself to God, I am choosing to worship him. Our God is not a manipulative God. Our God is not a God that forces you to do anything. He gives us free will, and he wants us to choose him. Can I give you a little background, a little, little, little sidebar for a moment? Many years, God has given me the privilege of being a worship leader in this house. I, I've learned and I've grown so much in understanding the discipline of worship. And what I've never understood if I'm going to wake up in the morning, get myself together, and travel to the house of the Lord, fight for a parking space, and walk through these doors, I don't understand why I'm just standing there. I don't understand why I look like I have a grimace on my face. I don't understand why I'm disconnected because if I've come all that way, and I've made the sacrifice, I will offer him the sacrifice of praise. From the fruit of my lips. Some people say, you don't understand, I had a tough week. Yeah, I get it. But if I'm coming here on Sunday, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give him my all because he's good. That's why. Because in the essence of who he is, he is good, so it is a choice. That's the heart. The second response of worship is the soul. It's our emotions. It's what we feel. The biblical word soul points to the emotional part of our nature. The Psalms truly illustrate this in Psalm 42, verse 11. Many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? That word soul is where we get the word psychological, psyche. So when we think about soul, we're humbly bringing our emotions in worship. And even in my own time of worship, you know what I've tried to do? I've tried to hide from God about how I truly feel. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I'm just feeling discontented, and I come into worship and just, I praise you, Lord. And I realized that my emotions were not connected to my heart. I had to be authentic before God. You don't think God doesn't know? You don't think God doesn't know how you're feeling? He's not afraid of how we're feeling. He's not afraid of our emotions. If you're sad, if you're angry, if you're confused, he said, this is what I want you to do. Bring it all to me. Bring it all to me. Bring all those emotions, those feelings that are on the inside of you. Don't hide it because in worship, he has the ability and the access to heal. 
When I come into worship and I give God my all and I say, Lord, I'm confused right now. Lord, I don't know what to do. He reveals his healing grace to me in the midst of worship. He manifests himself in worship. So it's our soul. It's what we feel. But then it's the third response of worship, and it's our mind. It's the intellectual part of our nature. In essence, it's what we think. It's what we think. Now, when I think of a mind, typically you think of like a computer or, or an organ, right, that's processing and receiving information. But when the Bible speaks of the mind, it's talking about how not only do we process information, but how do we gain wisdom from what we've learned? There's nothing worse than having someone with multiple degrees and no wisdom. They're smart on paper, but have no discernment. <laughs> There's a disconnect, right? So, so we need to not check our mind at the door when it deals with worship. Because scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, this is Paul. He said that being mature in Christ means having the mind of Christ. That means I think thoughts that are even higher than my flesh, higher than my experience. It's through revelation. So it's what we think. When I come into worship, I'm thinking on his character. I'm thinking on God's promises. Do you have a promise that you believe in God for? Just by the show of your hands, anybody believe in God for a promise? All right, the only way that we know what those promises are is if we study. It's if God reveals it to us and we are in his place of understanding and saying, God, I'm holding on. So when I come into worship, I bring back the word that you've already given to me. So it's our heart, it's our soul, it's our mind, and lastly, it's our strength. That's the physical part of our nature. It is what we do. Keep it on the screen so that people take a negative photo. It's what we do. It's the physical experience. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm talking about strength. So, so when I lift my hands, I'm giving God the physical expression of an inner heart. When I kneel, I'm saying, God, I honor you because you're above all that I could ever imagine or think. When I lift my hands or bow or hold hands or any physical expression, I'm saying to God, you are deserving of my best. That's the four responses of worship. My heart, my soul, my mind and strength engaging the whole person. So what is God looking for as a mark of worship? A church at worship? In essence, engaging our person. The third thing I see is to extend his purpose. What's a mark of a church at worship? It's one that extends his purpose. What does that mean? After I leave here on a Sunday morning, Monday's coming. <laughs> Monday. You know about Monday. Monday is coming. And God wants worship to extend in how we live, 
in our workplace, in how we play, how we, let me take a pause and say how you treat your spouse is worship. I got an amen in the room. How you treat your children is worship. How you manage your household is worship. See, we disconnect the two, but it's not to be disconnected. God says, how you honor me is how you steward what I've given you. And when we have been given great things, God says, will you extend my purpose to those that are considered unqualified, unworthy, and even those that feel unlovable? Can we extend ourselves to others? Now, many of you are very familiar with this, I'm sure. It's been all over the press, been all over the media. Kanye West and the Sunday service experience. Kanye West came up with an album entitled Jesus is King. And it has stoked a lot of controversy because there are people wondering, first of all, if you tracked with Kanye West, you're not sure what's going, what's happening here. Is this real? And there's a lot of questions that are being raised, and, and rightfully so. But as Christians, as Christ followers, I would implore us to wait and pray. And to pray for our brother, Kanye. But, but Kanye started this group called Sunday Service. It's a gospel group. And what they do, they sing traditional songs, but with a contemporary flair, with a modern twist. So they've traveled the country. They started in Coachella, which is an arts and music festival in California. They went to the Church of Latter-day Saints. And most recently, they visited Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. According to reports, it was the highest streamed service in Christian history. That's how many people watched Kanye and the Sunday service group at Lakewood. And he mentioned this in an interview during his stop. He said, I know that God's been calling me for a long time. And the devil has been distracting me for a long time. And when I was at my lowest points, God was there with me inspiring me and sending me visions. Following the Bible can free us all. Jesus can set you free. He said this in front of 16,000 people and millions of people watching online. Now say what you will, but because of Kanye's new album and because of this new movement, more people who do not attend church have been skeptical or a bit analytical when it deals with, okay, what's this faith all about? They have been much more open of having conversations now than ever before. They're asking questions about faith and spirituality and what does it mean to follow God. But here's the deal. In our mass media, there are certain things that they pay attention to, but there may have been something that fell underneath the radar that we didn't see. While he was at Lakewood, before he went to this mega church, prior to that stop, he stopped at the Harris County Jail in Houston. I show you this photo because Kanye and his group, they didn't set up a stage. 
they were at the same level as the inmates. In fact, if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know who the inmates were and the group. Because they weren't coming in with bling or some fashionable outfit. No, they came with plain clothes and said, we want to minister to the inmates in this jail. And what I saw of people singing and worshiping and giving God praise, some of them have life sentences, and they were in that place saying, God, I give you the praise. That's the power of worship. That's the power of worship. The power of worship means it extends the love of God to those that feel unlovable and unworthy and unqualified. It extends his purpose for those that feel marginalized and disenfranchised and they feel as if they've been dismissed and ignored by society. The power of worship says you can get out of that pit, that we can break the chains of sin, that we can break the pride spirit. That means that spirit reads spirit. And we see worship has a way of affecting and magnifying who our God is. So when we come together on a Sunday morning and when we lift up holy hands and when we say, God, I want to worship you with all my soul, mind, and strength. I want to give you everything. This is what we're saying. God, I want to be that one that you can count on as you're searching to and fro, as you're looking around, when you're looking at the earth and you're wondering who are the true worshipers, I want God to find us at Christ church. I want God to find you in your car. I want God to find you while you're on your way to an errand. I want God to find you in your home and say, God, I enjoy your presence. God, I will engage my whole person. And God... I will extend your purpose. That, are, that is the mark of a church at worship. I believe before we enter 2020, God wants to gear us up to be worshipers that will worship God in spirit and in truth. How many in this room want God to use you for a greater purpose and for his greater glory?